0: And man, you guys can go have a seat. Man, it is great to hang out with you guys tonight. Hopefully you've had an awesome start to your week. I know we've got some new people here tonight. So if you don't know me, my name is Jesse. I'm the college pastor here. Uh, if you do know me, still Jesse, still college pastor here. Um, don't worry, hopefully the jokes will get a little bit better as night goes on. Uh, but you're, you're joining us at a great time because we started a few weeks ago called a series, or in a series, called Relationship University, right? So let me just, if you haven't been here before, you missed last week, let me just quickly sum up what we've talked about so far. So the whole part of this series is for us to talk about where you are in college in regards to your relationships. And so the first week we came together and talked about that you guys are kind of in this unclear context um, in college where when it comes to the relationship with your parents, with your friends, the people you're dating, you're just not exactly sure about kind of what's going on, right? Things were a lot more simple in high school, and so now that you're in college, things are becoming a little bit more complex. And so we started asking the question, what time is it for me? And these different relationships with my friends and my parents and my family and things like that. And so last week we talked about our parents. And we talked about this idea that our parents have different goals for our lives than we do. But we have to realize that as we get older and we become less dependent upon them, it doesn't mean our parents are off the team. It means instead of being coaches, they start to become our teammates. And so we always want our parents to be counsel in our lives, right? To speak wisdom into us and to help us in our situations. And that's the way that we can honor them based upon what Paul tells us to do in Ephesians chapter 6. And so this week, we're going to talk about friends and what that means for you right now and see what Scripture has to say about that. And so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight as we talk about how life is different in college than it was in high school. So when I was in high school, I had a friend named Chris. Now, every person has a crazy friend, right? And see, Chris was this crazy friend, the person who just had the reputation of doing insane things. But whoever you're thinking, what you're thinking in your mind, I can almost guarantee you that Chris was just a little bit crazier than that person. Because I doubt that the person that you're thinking of, one time in their science class, thought it would be a good idea to lick a sheep's heart. <laughs> right? Or to drink baby oil to find out later that it's deadly. Or, I doubt that your friend, when a school rat was found in the cafeteria, grabbed a plastic fork and chased it down in hopes of eating it, right? I mean, that was Chris for you. That was the kind of stuff that Chris did. But honestly, even out of all those things, that wasn't the the craziest thing that Chris did. So there was one day that Chris showed up at school, and he looked a little bit different than he did the day before. You know, like when you see somebody and you know they did something different, you know something's changed, but you can't quite figure out what it was, right? That would have been a lot of you if you would have saw Chris, right? So Chris shows up to school one day just looking a little bit different. And see, Chris had really thick eyebrows. And people used to make comments about Chris's eyebrows. And so Chris thought it would be a great idea to try to stop the bullying by eliminating the one thing that they were bullying him about. So he shaved his eyebrows. Just shaved them off. Just did it. Just shaved them off. See, but what Chris failed to realize is that might have silenced the bullies, but it didn't silence his friends, right? Because we were very quick to make fun of him. And I promise you, he looked so much like the devil on Passion of the Christ. I mean, not even funny. Not even funny, right? Not even funny. Not even funny. But as crazy as Chris was, Chris also had a very serious side. And see, Chris and I were really close, and we hung out a lot outside of school. And when we hung out, Chris and I also often had really deep talks just about life. I mean, we'd have spiritual conversations, but we would talk about God. We'd talk about theology. We'd talk about apologetics. And we would even find ourselves disagreeing on how to understand and interpret different passages of Scripture. I mean, Chris and I would have conversation about his parents, and he would talk about the frustrations that he had because of the way that they treated him since he was the youngest in his family. And when he would tell the stories and react them, you could could feel how much it bothered Chris that his parents just didn't respect him. And we also spent time just sharing the different struggles that we faced in our lives. And Chris opened up and would talk about the things that he was just trying to stop, but he just couldn't. So we had a lot of just deep conversations, a lot of talks throughout our friendship, and as you can imagine, we got really close, to the point that even when high school ended, Chris and I continued to make friends, right? We continued to hang out, and it's no surprise that when I got to the point in my life that I decided to tie the knot with my beautiful bride, that Chris was my groomsman right? He was one of the guys standing next to me on one of the biggest days of my life, right? That's Chris. There's another guy that I knew in high school who, would also, who I'd also call my friend, and his name was Zach. And see, Zach was the type of guy that every single person loved to be around. First of all, because this guy wasn't intimidated by anybody. I mean, nobody at all. Like, he was amazing. Like, he was the type of guy, because I played baseball with Zach. We played sports together. And so, like, the coach could be, he's the type of guy, like, he'd be in a situation where a coach could be, like, chewing him out. Like, face red, spit coming from his mouth, just screaming at Zach. Everybody else is just feeling, like, really uncomfortable just kind of sitting there. And all of a sudden, Zach would be like... <laughs> This guy needs a Snickers, am I right? Am I right, right? You know, that's just who Zach was. And he was one of the funniest guys that I've ever met in my life. And let me tell you, when you take somebody who's intimidated by no one and who is considered to be hilarious by everyone and you bring that together, people, great things happen. (laughs) Let me tell you one of the great things that happened, right? So Zach was a guy who thought it would be a great idea to walk up to people that he didn't know and do a really weird hand gesture just to see how they would respond, right? So he'd walk up to people and be like, dude, what's up, man? How are you? Dude, bring it in. Dude, don't act like you don't know what I'm doing. Bring it in, right? Bring it in. You know, and, and when you're a high school student before YouTube was big, that was comical gold, people. That was comical gold to be able to see somebody do that, and he didn't care. I mean, he would just walk up to these people and act like he was shaking their hands, and, and they didn't know what they were doing, because again, not intimidated, hilarious. It was a great combination, and so Zach and I spent hours, countless hours together, right, on the baseball field, right, in practice or in a game, right, in our classrooms, all that kind of stuff. But see, unlike Zach, or excuse me, unlike Chris, Zach and I never hung out outside of school activities. He never came over to my house, and I never went over to Zach's house. And also, unlike Chris, Zach and I never really had any type of deep talks, even though I knew Zach for a long time, even longer than I knew Chris, I don't remember ever having a spiritual conversation with Zach. We just didn't have him. But even though I knew that Zach had a rough relationship with his dad, because his dad walked out on him when he was really young, we didn't discuss it. And even though we had countless of opportunities to talk about the different struggles in our life, we never did. Right? We didn't even talk about the struggles that we had on the baseball field. That just wasn't the type of things that we talked about. So unlike Chris, Zach and I had a very surface relationship. Where we just kind of talk about things that you just kind of have in conversations with people that you see that you don't ever take it to the next level. And so eventually high school comes to an end and it's no surprise that Zach and I stopped hanging out. I mean, I saw him occasionally, maybe like at a football game or something like that, but we never you know, took time to hang out. And so by the time my wedding came around, I don't think it even crossed my mind to invite Zach to it. (laughs) Now notice, when I told you both of those stories about those two different guys, even though they had, in a lot of ways, opposite relationships with me, one word that I used to describe these guys was the word friend, wasn't it? And, And none of you were surprised about that, right? Because the way I described it sounds like the way that we would describe a friend. Because even though I had deep conversations about struggles with one guy and even though I had surface conversations about sports with another guy, and even though one guy was in my wedding and the other person wasn't even invited to it, I would consider, even still today, both these guys to be my friend. And I definitely consider them to be my friends in high school. And the reason I tell you about these two guys is because they illustrate something that we all know to be true in our lives. And it's this is the idea that the word Friend is vague. The word friend is vague. It can be used to describe so many different people in our lives. It can be somebody who we can have deep conversation with. It can be somebody we have surface conversations with. Somebody who we hang out with only in school. Somebody who we hang out with mostly outside of school, right? I mean, the word friend is vague, and you guys get this, right? I mean, we can talk about the different categories of friends that we have in our lives and understand how vague this, world really, this word really is. In fact, let's do that, all right? Let's talk about some of the top friend categories that we have going from descending order, all right? So here's the first one, boyfriend and girlfriends, right? I know some of you are thinking that doesn't count, but look, the word friend is in the word, right? So we have to count it, right? Don't at me, right? That counts, right? We're going to consider that, right? But see, it's also similar to this idea of like a, like a boy who is a friend, right? Boyfriend, boy who is a friend, right? These things are really similar, Right. Let's be honest. There's some people in this room where your context is still a little bit unclear. Which one you are? Right. I know. I know. I've been there. Right. That's the first category. Right. We got boyfriends and girlfriends. The next ones we have best friends. Right. That's another friend category that we have. And so these are the people who've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly in your life, and for some reason they still like you. Right. Uh, they know what your favorite everything is. And see, these are the people, and this is what I love. These are the people who you can always count on to like every single Instagram post that you have, right? And we know how important that is. We do. We know how important that is, right? So we have your best friends, and then next we have close friends, right? So these are the people who are kind of like the contenders for future best friends, right? I mean, you enjoy hanging out with them, right? When you get to see them, it's nice, right? You, you enjoy when you talk to them, but really, if your schedule lined up a little bit better, you might be best friends or closer, but it's just not how it is right now, right? As things stand currently, if your best friends are Chick-fil-A, which obviously they are, then these people would be Zaxby's, right? I mean, they're good, but like, like they're definitely not great. I mean, let's not, like, let's not get carried away, people, right? Let's not get carried away, right? So those are your close friends. And then after that, and I love this category, you have your class friends, right? So these are the people that you have class with one semester, And when you're having class, you're you're noticing that you're really starting to click with them, right? So, you know, you do a group project, and it seems more like a hangout than a class assignment. You actually enjoy studying for tests when you're with them. And and when you need somebody to, you can bank on these people commenting on your discussion board posts, right? Right? Like, that's who they are. Like, these are those people, right? And so you might even get to the point with these people that you start to like them well enough that you're even thinking about asking them to move in with you and your roommates next to you, right? I mean, you're just starting to get close with them. But when the semester ends, you realize that you don't know their name, right? You have no way of contacting them. And you're totally fine with that, right? I mean, yeah, you guys had a good run, and now it's over, right? So you just kind of... You just got to move on with your life, right? I love class friends because we all have them, and they're great, right? And the fifth and last category, um, probably the most condescending one, is Facebook friends, right? So the um, highly neglected or abandoned Facebook account that you have, right? The 1,300 friends that are on there, uh, most of which you have no idea who they are, right? Um, Barely know them. Maybe you know them because somebody else made the mistake of befriending them. So you saw you had four mutual friends, and so you decided to do that, right? It was probably your parents, let's be honest, because they're the only ones that were st- still on there anyways. And so you kind of become friends with them, but you don't really know who they are, right? We all have those people, uh, countless people on Facebook who we aren't really sure who they are, but somehow they're our friends, right? And so what we see based upon these different categories is very simply the word friend is vague, isn't it? It is vague. You see, this is important to realize when it comes to the vagueness of this word. Because if the word friend is vague, then what it really means is that friend is how we want to define it, right? We get to determine what a friend is. Friend means to us what we want it to mean to these different people. And so because of that, we end up treating the different people in these categories, the different people on our friends list, differently. Because again, the word is vague, and what ends up happening, because we treat these people differently, our friendships go in many different directions with them. And see, this is what happens. The word friend is vague. Because our desire for friends is what determines what kind of relationship we have with them. Or a better way of saying that, right? What determines the directions of our friendships is what we desire, right? What determines the directions of our friendship is what we personally desire, right? So let me explain this, right? So let's say that there's somebody uh, that you're friends with, and if you're honest, they're kind of starting to annoy you a little bit, right? Maybe they're that class friend who hasn't realized that the semester's over and that you've moved on with your life, and so they ask you to grab lunch, and even though you can, you kind of make some kind of lame excuse because you really don't want to, right? We all do it. There's no judgment here, right? Right, you're a good southerner, so you don't say no, you just make an excuse. And you kind of, you know, you get out of hanging out with them. But if on that same day, you had another friend, and let's say this friend is close to somebody that you want to date, and they ask you to hang out and grab lunch that day, right, you will clear your schedule to hang out with them, won't you? Right, what's happening here, right? So you don't have a desire to hang out with somebody who's annoying, so you don't. Right again there's no judgment here. We've all done this. But you do have a desire to hang out with somebody who can be a potential wingman. So you do. And so what we see is often in our friendships, the way that we treat people is based upon what we want. We treat people differently based upon what we want, what we desire from the friendship because desire determines direction. When it comes to our friendships, desire determines direction. And so often of the times we do this and we don't even realize it. I mean, we might have somebody who we really want to talk to, so we, make t- we won't make time to see them after class. Right, but then we have other friends who we're just, you know, honestly, we're just not really feeling it right now with them. Right? So when we go to Team B, we just pretend like we don't see them. right? And then if anybody bothers us, we'll just ghost them. right? Because what's happening is how the friendship is going is based upon what we want. Right? Our desire in the friendship is determining the direction where it goes. And this is why this is tricky. This is tricky because the word friend is so vague. We can treat these people differently, and we don't feel bad about it. Because they're still our friends, right? At the end of the day, the person we pretend like we don't see at the TMB is still our friend, And the person that we choose to hang out with between classes is still our friend, right? Because the word is so vague, we don't feel bad that we're treating different people differently. And in certain ways, it's kind of nice for us. And we kind of like it. And so what we discover is that relationship or relational vagueness is convenient. We kind of like this because relational vagueness is really, if we're honest, it's convenient for us. Uh, we know this is true in dating, right? Because you, you'll meet those people who are not dating and, and they'll say stuff like, you know, we just, we just don't want to put a label on it, right? You know, we, we don't want to be defined by a system, right? Instead, we want to defy the system, right? Or something like that. So we understand that that happens in dating relationships, but what we often don't realize is that happens in friendships as well. And the reason relational vagueness is convenient in friendships is because we can treat people differently and we don't feel bad about it because they're still our friends. They still fall under this vague category so we can treat people differently, right? ignore some, hang out with others, pretend like we don't see others, go out of our way for some. We can do all that and we don't feel bad about it because relational vagueness is convenient. And even though this might be good for us, what we often don't realize is that this isn't so great for the people that we're friends with. Because what ends up happening is because we might look at this as being convenient, somebody else looks at us as just being flaky. And so what happens is we end up being what we can call a, f- a fair-weather friend. Right? A fair-weather friend is somebody who's a friend when it's nice. They're a friend when they want to be. They're a friend if they have a desire in or out of in the relationship. But then when they're not something there for them, when they can't get anything out of the relationship, they just back off. So sometimes they're completely reliable, and other times they're completely out of the picture. Like sometimes they're there for us, and sometimes they're absent. And they're focused on what they want from a friendship instead of focusing on what the other person needs. Right? That's the fear with a friend. And when we find ourselves focusing on relationships and looking at them based upon what we want, based upon our desires, that's what happens we end up treating people as a fair with a friend. We end up finding ourselves doing things because we want to instead of focusing on what they need out of a relationship. And so although this might be convenient for us, it ends up hurting them. Because instead of getting a good friend that they need, they end up getting a fair with a friend that they don't really want. And so we end up being the type of friends that people can't count on, people can't rely on because we're too busy focusing on what we desire and allowing that to determine the direction of the friendship. But see, even though the word friend is vague, the type of friend we are to the different people on our list should always be specific. And today I want to talk about what specific type of friend we are called to be based upon what Scripture says. So if you have your Bibles, open up to John 15. That's where we're going to hang out tonight is in John 15. And to give a little bit of context, Jesus is sitting here the night before he's about to go to the cross. So it's the night before his death, and he's hanging out with his different disciples. He's spending time with them. And here, Jesus is going to tell us what type of specific friend we are called to be to everybody that we're friends with. But before we get to our key verse, which is really verse 13, I want us to look at John 15, 15 to get some context, right? I think to really understand what Jesus says earlier, we have to look at what he says after. And if that sounds confusing, hopefully it won't once we get to it. So let's look at John 15, 15, read that together, talk about it, and then look at our main verse. So John 15, 15 says this, right? Jesus is talking to the disciples. They're hanging out. They're having the last supper together. And this is what he says. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. So if we read this, to be honest, these words probably don't jump out of the page at us. But if you were sitting around as Jesus was saying this for the first time, these words would have been absolutely groundbreaking because see in the old testament god's friend list was pretty short so as the disciples were sitting there they would have known moses and abraham as being friends of god right that's kind of where it ended that was based upon what the old testament taught how they saw god's friends list but as jesus is sitting here talking to them he is telling them that that's changed and now they're the ones who are included on this list and what's interesting is that the word "friend" that we see here is used earlier in John three twenty nine to talk about a best man at somebody's wedding. So this isn't a surface friendship that Jesus is talking about. Right? This isn't a friendship that Jesse had with Zach. Instead, this is the friendship that Jesse had with Chris. This is a close, personal friendship that Jesus is talking about that he has with his disciples. And so as Jesus is speaking these words the day before his death, he is absolutely redefining the relationship between God and man. And he is telling his disciples that they are friends of God. And what Jesus told his disciples 2,000 years ago is what he's also telling us tonight. That if you're one of his disciples, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you are a friend of God, a close, personal friend. I mean, think about what that does in our relationship with Him when we understand that. And what that means is that Jesus wants you to talk to Him. Jesus wants to hang out with you because you were not a burden to Him. Jesus wants to be with you when nobody else is, when you feel all alone. You can always count on Him to be there. And what this means is that your relationship with Jesus isn't an obligation. Instead, it's an amazing opportunity that he has to spend time with somebody who he loves a whole lot. And that's what this is teaching us. That is the relationship that you have with God. And so in light of what we see here, in light of what Jesus is teaching, I want us now to go to verse 12 and to verse 13. And now that we understand what kind of friendship God has with us, let's see what Jesus has to say about what kind of friendship he wants us to have with other people. Because this is what he says in John 15, verse 12. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus is saying, the way that I've loved you guys, I want you to take that love and apply that to other people. And then in verse 13, he tells us what this love looks like. He says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. I mean, this is the specific type of friend that Jesus is calling us to be the type of friend who lays down his life. And what I love here is that Jesus speaking these words as he's hanging out with his disciples, he's foreshadowing. He's foreshadowing one of the greatest displays of love that anybody has ever shown to his friends. And he's talking about what's gonna take place that next day. When he would die on the cross so that his friends would never have to. Jesus is talking about the type of love that he has for his friends, which means that he is going to eventually go to a place and experience, he's eventually going to experience the horrors of a place called Calvary so that his friends could one day enjoy the wonders of a place called heaven. He's talking about how he's going to physically die so that one day his friends could spiritually live for all eternity. And even though we deserve to be on that cross, even though every single ounce of pain that Jesus experienced on Calvary, we deserve to take, we should have experienced. Because of his love for his friends, Jesus took that instead. He willingly went to a cross and died as our substitute in our place so that we wouldn't have to. And because he took his, our sins upon himself, we can now experience forgiveness and eternal life. He bore our sins on his body, on a tree, so that by his wounds, we could be healed. And so Jesus is talking about this amazing love that he is gonna eventually and soon show to his friends because he was willing to lay down his life so that they could be saved. And when we see this verse, we understand that Jesus is foreshadowing here, right? We understand the larger context of what's taking place and that he's talking about his death on the cross. So because of that, we can make this mistake, right? We can look at this verse and say, okay, so I can live out this verse in my life as long as I'm willing to die for my friends, right? Or as long as I actually die for my friends, which is kind of extreme, right? But that's what we look at and that's what we see. Okay, so if I die for my friends, then cool. Then I'm like Jesus, awesome, Right? But even though that's what this meant for Jesus, and obviously that's what Jesus did, I think if we limit our understanding of this verse to that, then we miss the different ways this verse can practically apply to us. Because Jesus did lay down his life by dying on a cross. But for us, when we lay down our lives or parts of our life for other people, it's probably going to look different. It will probably look like laying down that time that you want to sleep When your friend calls you at 2 o'clock in the morning having a panic attack because they have a test in in the morning and they're afraid they're going to fail it. It's probably going to look like laying down that bitterness when that friend of yours who was dating your ex really wants to talk and they ask you to grab coffee. And it's probably going to look like laying down that concert ticket because to your favorite band, because one of your friends happens to have a graduation party on the same day at the same time. That's probably what it's going to look like for you. But what this verse is asking us to do is to lay down parts of our life, to lay down what we want at times in order to sacrifice for our friends. Because that's what we see here. That's the example that Jesus is setting for us, is Jesus is asking us here to be a sacrificial friend. right? A sacrificial friend, not a friend who focuses on what they want, right? that doesn't allow desire to determine the direction of the friendship, but instead a friend who is sacrificial in the sense that they're willing to live a life the way that Jesus lived. And they're willing to treat their friends the way Jesus treats his friends. And the way that Jesus treats us. So that means choosing to talk to somebody and to spend time with them, even if it's the middle of the night, because your friends are never a burden to you. It means being there to talk to somebody when they desperately need a friend because they don't feel all alone, even if they are dating your ex. And what it means is that our friends are never obligations to us, but instead they are amazing opportunities to show people the love of Jesus and to love them the way that Jesus has loved us, even if it means we don't get to see our favorite band play. And so what we are called to do is just as Jesus was a sacrificial friend by laying down his life for us, we are called to be a sacrificial friend by laying down parts of our lives for others. That's what we're called to do. And what's great about being a sacrificial friend is you can literally be that to anybody. Right? Regardless of where they fall in that categories of friends that we talked about earlier, regardless of who they are, you can be a friend to them. Right? You can be a sacrificial friend to a close friend, to a best friend, to a class friend, and even to a Facebook friend, right? Just like the post of the dog, right? We know it's not that cute, but it will mean the world to them, right? Sacrifice yourself to do that. Right, that was a joke. That was a joke. I'm not a dog hater, Um, right? But we can be a sacrificial friend to anybody, right? It doesn't matter who they are. We can choose to be a sacrificial friend. And so what that means is not everybody has to be our best friend. We can continue to have these categories that we talked about. But what it does mean is that we're a sacrificial friend to every single one. And so what we have to do is figure out what time it is in these different relationships and ask ourselves, how can I be a sacrificial friend? And this isn't always going to be easy this isn't always going to be convenient because it's a lot easier to ignore that phone call in the middle of the night than to answer it. But that's a good thing because if there's one thing that this passage teaches us is that true friendship is based upon inconvenience. True friendship is defined by inconvenience because there is nothing convenient about the cross. There is nothing convenient about pouring out your life and dying on a cross for somebody else. But Jesus was willing to do that. He was willing to sacrifice himself. Not so he could get what he wanted, not so he could get what he desired, but instead so he could give us what we needed. And that's what we're called to do as well. We're called to be a sacrificial friend to others even when it's inconvenient. Because true friendship is defined by inconvenience. Let me tell you a little bit about your context to tie this back to what we've been talking about in the series. All right, right now, you are in a context in college where being inconvenienced is common. It's common because as we talked about last week, when you get to college, you start to become less dependent upon your parents. And so the people that you know, the people that you hang out with at JSU, oftentimes these people aren't seeing their parents nearly as much as they used to. And so what that means is when times get difficult and they become distressed, they can't just walk down the hall anymore and talk to their parents. And see, that's where you come in. And that's why friendship, I believe, one of the most important contexts of friendship is in college. Because now you have the opportunity to step up. Because when there's fewer parents, there should be more friends. There should be a support system here who is rallying around somebody and being with them when they need help, right? When they need somebody to step up and do something, right? And they need somebody to help jumpstart their car, even though it's below freezing, because they have a 7.30 class that they need to get to, right? They need somebody who is willing To put a whole day aside, even though they have schoolwork, even though they need to study, they put a whole day on the side to hang out with somebody, to hang out with a friend, because that person expected to spend the rest of their life with somebody and suddenly they chose to break up with them. And so you're in a context now where people are going to need you and it's going to be inconvenient. But you have the freedom now and the opportunity now to step up and to be a good friend. To sacrifice what you want so that they can get what they need. Not to focus on what we can get from a relationship, but instead to focus on what we can give to one. And so as we wrap up, here's my challenge to you. In a context that is unclear, and in a culture where the word friend is vague, choose to be a sacrificial friend. Choose to be inconvenienced. Choose to lay down parts of your life in order to help other people, in order to be there for them. Choose to love others the way that Jesus has loved you. That's my challenge for you. Choose to be a sacrificial friend. And when you do that, now you'll point people to the cross. You will point people to a God who loved them enough to die for them. So let's choose to be a sacrificial friend. For our good, but most importantly, let's do it for God's glory. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come and talk about what it means to be a sacrificial friend. And ultimately, God, thank you that we have this perfect example of a friend in Jesus someone who was willing to go to a cross and die in our place so that we would never have to, who showed us what it means to truly sacrifice. And Jesus, just as you have laid down your whole life for the love of your friends, may we lay down parts of our lives for those that we love. And like you, Jesus, may we not look at friendships as obligations, but amazing opportunities. Opportunities, Lord, to serve and to love. And when it's so easy to focus on what we want, may we choose to focus on what other people need, even when it's hard. Because Jesus, as you you have shown us, true friendship is defined by inconvenience. So God, be with us right now as we sing a song that talks about Jesus, that you are better. May we sing to this song, may we sing this song reflecting on who you are and what you've done for us. And that you showed us that no greater love is there than this. That somebody should choose to lay down their life for their friends. And may we do that right here and right now. In Jesus' name I pray.